something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I won't let my body outweigh. Outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong. I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Did you and I outweigh? Welcome back to Outweigh, everyone. It's Lisa here. This week's episode is a guest story. So when we have guests on, we invite on a listener or friends of mine and Amy that we think could just share or enlighten in some way by telling their story. Anne is a listener of Outway, and she's also a student of mine in Fork the Noise. So in the past year, she's done Fork the Noise Fundamentals as well as Fork the Noise Hunger and Fullness. She did the VIP option, which means she comes to our live monthly calls. And the reason I asked her to come on was because in our last month, call. She told a story that left all of us with our jaws dropped. And she told a story that really highlighted how far she's come in just a year. And the story itself is about eating a donut in a coffee shop with a friend and all the ways that diet culture can either ruin that experience for the person that's eating the donut or how it also impacts the other people around who are on a diet that are just looking at the donut thinking, oh, I wish I could have that. So the story left a lot of people asking Anne a lot of questions. How did you get there? I want to do that. So it was kind of like that one moment of like, oh, that's what freedom looks like. That's what I want. 
but how do I get there? So I invited Anne on to tell the story and to also just share her entire story, which involves dieting since she was eight years old. So for somebody who is so ingrained mentally into looking at a food and knowing how many calories are in it or how many points it's worth, to have this moment of freedom, I think really just shows us what we're all capable of. We can all do it, but we gotta put in a little bit of work and we gotta want to put it in. Anne says some amazing one-liners in here, so please listen out for all the amazing things that she has to say about the scale, about self-esteem, about how you don't have to lose weight in order to feel confident. And this is somebody who has lived it, has weight cycled, has gone through the ups and downs, and for the time being, is on the other side showing us what life can look like free of disordered eating. Welcome back to Outweigh. So excited to have Anne on today. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. Very excited to be here. So I've already kind of let everybody know, but you're a Fork the Noise student of mine and you're a student of life, I should really say. And you've so bravely done so much hard work that I just really wanted to invite you on to Outweigh because I think that you're super relatable to our listeners. I think everything that you've gone through, the ups, the downs, the wins, the struggles, the everyday is essentially who our Outweigh listener is. And you provide inspiration with a sense of realness. And I think we could all kind of learn something from you. So thank you for showing up willing and giving me a little bit of your time as well. Absolutely. And I, I do first want to say thank you to you and Amy, because with really without Outweigh, I don't think I would have progressed as quickly as I have throughout this whole journey. And being able to listen to everyone's stories each week is just so inspiring and hopeful. So I'm really excited to hopefully help someone else too. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't, I don't think I realize like the impact of Outweigh as much as I love doing it and hearing it. You know, Amy and I like record the episodes, we edit them, we put them out to the universe, and then we sometimes don't know where they land. So hearing that just really makes me pause for a second and really see why we do this. And it's it's for you, for you to now pass the torch is this community is unlike any other community. So thank you for being a listener and for reminding everybody that it takes active work, you know, not just outweigh, not just my program. It takes showing up for yourself and a willingness that you certainly have. So let's just kick off today to just talk about your relationship with food leading up to the last year or two. Yes, absolutely. So I have a very interesting long story with food. So I'm going to try to um, shorten it up as best as possible. But my first diet, I went on when I was eight, and it was Weight Watchers. So I was counting points with my parents. And then, you know, I, I never want to throw my parents under any kind of bus as they were definitely doing the best they could with both of them who have struggled with their weight and body appearance their entire life and really who still are. Um, however, eight years old to start counting points. Um, that's really what started the diet mentality in my life. And then from basically eight to probably 
teenage years, I was on and off multiple diets. We did Weight Watchers. We did all kinds of just like low calorie options. This was in the 90s. And in the 90s was really heavy with fat free kind of thing. So that was our new thing was fat free. And we did them as like a family. Um, And then we also experienced over exercising as well. At a very young age, my father and I started heavily riding bicycles when I was probably 12 or 13. We would go for, you know, 20, 30 miles at a time, which to right now just sounds absolutely crazy. (laughs) It's just way too much, especially for really a little kid. But through diet and exercise, that was really where my relationship with food really turned. Um, I was no longer really a kid. I was really more obsessing with food already. And I remember being a kid and being, you know, maybe 10 or 11 in a grocery store and buying foods like snack wells. And I don't even know if they still sell those anymore, but they're like a low calorie um, cookie option. While my peers were eating like just Lunchables and just Chips Ahoy and like normal kid food that already set me apart from my peers. And I think I started working with low self-esteem really to begin with. So we'll kind of fast forward a little bit throughout really middle school and high school. I struggled the entire time. Um, I did every single possible diet you can imagine in that time frame. I remember being in biology class. It was like a nutrition class on how nutrition works. Going back, I really wish that I could have really learned something because it's honestly, it's a lot of what Lisa teaches in kind of fourth noise of how, how does nutrition actually work? It's very interesting, but we were supposed to write down our our food for like a few days or something. And I was on the special K challenge. Mm. And I remember I had to go and tell my teacher that I'm on the, you know, I'm on a special K challenge. So I'm only eating special K food right now. And that was pretty much what my middle school, high school really looked like. I would say it took a turn for the worse in college. Um, In college, I went to a junior college first and I was really struggling, I think, mentally with the fact that all my friends went to a university and I went to a junior college. Um, And I really did that, of course, to save money because that's the most economical way to go to college. I was really struggling. And that's really when I started binge eating. And really, before that time frame, I really hadn't binge ate much. Um, Or even if I had, it wasn't necessarily recognized as binge eating. It was maybe just eating a little too much or, you know, eating more of the quote unquote wrong foods, as my household would say. But the binge eating really started in early college, throughout all of college, I probably gained and lost the same 20 pounds. Often my self-esteem was very low. I found myself in a abusive relationship. Actually, it was like a perfect storm of my self-esteem was low. And then the the man I was with would, would kind of make it the self-esteem worse, and then he would make it better. So it was like a very eye-opening experience. And then when that ended, I I was starting to get better, but then I went on another diet and this diet was one of the most restrictive I've ever done. Um, And I think this is kind of starts a new journey that I had with restrictive eating um, because really prior I would binge and restrict and over-exercise. And I, this is just the worst thought for me, but I used to always think if I could just 
not eat much for a week and just kill it at the gym, I would be where I wanted. But I never felt like I had enough quote unquote discipline to do that. And all of these things that I'm saying in today's world are are just so different. And they're things that I never would have thought of back then. I was so disordered. So not only was I in the throes of disordered eating, I did have binge eating disorder, which was really kind of two separate things. And so then throughout really once I graduated college, I, then I actually met my husband. And I think in that way, we've talked a little bit about relationships and eating disorders and disordered eating. And it was interesting because when we first started dating, he, my husband loves to eat and he loves fast food. It's like his favorite thing. I would always get really mad and upset. And I'd be like, well, I can't eat that. Why don't you understand? And looking back at it now, you think of the fact that he looks at food fairly normal, um, really without any baggage. And I'm looking at food as, oh, fast food was bad. I can't have that. Or, you know, I was always counting calories. I did all the apps. I, I think I had a few somewhat stable years really between my wedding um, because what, when I did get married, I still had disordered eating, but it was more or less, I, I would say fairly under control. I wasn't um, obsessing as much. I was still counting calories for the most part. And I still tried to work out and I've always tried to work out. Um, but then that kind of started a whole separate thing where I got into a different kind of program that actually made the binge eating disorder really resurface and come back even worse. So I went on a plan that um, encompassed working out and um, what they call healthy eating. And it was healthy eating, but it was very restrictive. And I got into this mentality. And I want to say for probably a year where I would eat great Monday through Friday. And then about Friday night, uh, the wheels fell off and I would just go crazy. I'd eat everything that I didn't eat during the week. I wouldn't work out. Uh, because I, it really made it into my mind that you're on plan Monday through Friday, and then Friday night, you were off plan. And those words became my life. We would plan things. Like I would miss out on things mm -hmm. during the week because I was, I was on plan. I was, I was being good. Really just thinking back at that, it's just such a sad way to live. I did that for a few years. And then there became another very restrictive diet, but this diet was even more restrictive, the most restrictive plan I've ever done. And I thought I was doing great. Um, the plan was actually developed by a doctor. So here's some more diet culture for you. Plans that are thrown at you as health created by doctors that we are supposed to trust and really made my binge eating worse. But I actually didn't realize it was worse until it was over. So I was on this plan for nine months and I lost 50 pounds and I felt amazing, super confident and just like I could conquer the world. And then I had a few months of heavy travel lots of events, lots of things to do. Um, and that plan that I was on was not only very restrictive, but there was no room for what you would call cheating. 
So you were basically a hundred percent on plan or you were off and it put yourself in a very ketogenic state. Um, and so when you're in that kind of state, they would advise you don't want to get out of that because it takes so long to get back in it. And so it was just reinforcing this diet culture in my brain. Let's pause for just one second. You said so many things that I don't want to forget. Let's just start with the keto thing. I just want to highlight that I see so many people, bragging is kind of a funny word, but um, I see so many people who go on a keto diet. They're a few weeks in, I guess they're, you know, all in, they find their way into ketosis and the weight just starts falling off. Right. And they're telling their friends and their siblings and they're this and they're that. And this is the best diet because they're eating. And here goes, you know, the weight so easily. And the mindset with it is I can do this forever. And from where I'm sitting, because I've worked with so many people and, you know, I've seen this play out just like your story, it is not actually sustainable because you have to stay in it forever. And that means you're on plan, quote unquote, 120% of the time. And while that might feel really fine for a month or two months, or maybe even for you and maybe six months before you kind of woke up and were like, wait a second, this isn't living. I just want to call out that when we say diets don't work, we might not be saying that the diet won't lead to weight loss, but there's an element or a time that will come where it's no longer working with you, either mentally or perhaps physically, whether that weight comes back and it actually isn't working for the intended goal or the rest of your life is changing and eating in this certain way no longer works and you now are left toolless again, how to keep off this weight that you like without being on this quote unquote plan that was supposed to be a lifestyle, right? So I just wanted to highlight that when we say diets don't work, it might not mean that the weight doesn't come off or that that restrictive eating or whatever diet it is won't lead to weight loss. But when we look at them over time, which is very hard to see in the initial phases when people are super loud and proud, that element I think is, is being missed. Do you agree, Anne? Absolutely. And I do want to mention that throughout this entire journey of almost 20 years, all I ever thought about was the weight. Mm. And that was it. Once I stopped focusing on the weight, that was really when I started living and I woke up to all of this. And throughout this whole journey, I'd actually been in therapy multiple times and none of it ever, quote, worked for me because secretly I didn't really care if I got better, I, I didn't care that I had binge eating disorder. What I cared about was get rid of the binge eating disorder so I can lose weight. When is this going to work so I can lose weight? And then when I finally got over that was when it really, my mind was really starting to heal. And I also just wanted to highlight that your story is so amazing because you have been calorie counting in some shape or form since you were eight years old. It's just so ingrained to you to look at a food and strip it down away from anything beyond, do I want that? Do I not want that? Into, is it worth it? Should I have it? 
how, what is it? Will this do to my body? You know, and like you said, I love how you, how you really frame that your parents were doing your, their best as I think so many parents were doing their best in a time where we weren't having conversations like this and weight was the focus. And a lot of parents feel or felt that if they could just help their child with their weight, then their self-esteem would improve. But your story really highlights that when we tell a child that, you know, food leads to this and therefore you need to control your food, we really are robbing them of their own abilities to make choices that are best for them. And that is how we knock down self-esteem, I think, you know? You didn't have the liberation to just eat what your friends were eating. You had snack wheels in your house. You were made to feel different, even though all your parents wanted for you was to feel not different. And I think the intent is really important to acknowledge because I think forgiveness for self, for others, for compassion, you know, all these things are really important emotions that we must carry with us if we truly want to heal ourselves, heal our families and heal future generations, which, you know, the two of us both have children on the way right now. <laughs> so opening up that, that conversation a little bit more, I just think it's amazing that you are where you are and how ingrained the counting really is to you uh, over the last, you know, however many years. Absolutely. And I still catch myself counting in my head. Thank you for saying that. I think it's an important acknowledgement because I don't know if that much time counting, seeing food in these certain ways can, you know, maybe it changed a little over the years as to how you quantified food. I don't know if that could ever really fully go away, but you can catch it and work through it a little bit more, which is different. So I love traveling and coming home to my bed because it's comfy and familiar. I love crawling into it. Well, what if you could take your bed on the road with you so that way you got good night's sleep while you're on a trip? And it's not your entire bed, but at least your bedding, which is the best part. Let me introduce you to Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding. Now, Cozy Earth is travel-friendly and hassle-free, and the bedding comes in these adorable totes, which makes it really easy for you to take it on trips with you. They also have really amazing loungewear, so if you're on a long flight, you can stay cool and comfy with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, and it'll add a touch of style to your travel ensemble as well. So whether you're exploring stuff near or far, take a little bit of home with you. Cozy Earth has everything you need to turn every moment into pure bliss. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code OUTWAY at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know that we sent you after you check out. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's continue with your story. Sorry to interrupt. So after my very restrictive plan was finished, and it was finished because I had basically lost all the weight I had wanted, then I went on a trip to Jamaica. My best friend got married. Then after that, we my husband turned 30. So we also went on another trip. It was nice because I was able to live. And throughout that time, um, I really quit weighing myself. Because prior to this, which I haven't touched on, I was a avid scale user. And I am talking about multiple times a day, obsession. I'd get home from work and I would weigh and I then I would subtract however much I thought was appropriate for my day, maybe one pound or whatever. And I'd say, okay, that's good. I did good today. And then that would set up my evening. Um, And so I lived... Mm and died by the scale. And then it became a sacred obsession of, well, now I'm scared to weigh because I know that I haven't been doing well. And so I'm just going to avoid it. And I will say that that year of my life was one of the best years I've ever had. One thing I did learn was you don't need to lose weight to be confident because throughout that year, I don't really know how much I gained because one other thing that I did learn was when you basically stop restricting, you're going to gain weight. 
It's just how the body works because you're holding so tight and then you open your life back up. And that's how it felt to me. My life was so small and then I opened it back up and that was in 2019. And then at the end of 2019, we went to see my husband's family and they live in Texas. Um, And I remember thinking, okay, after this, I really need to kind of get back on it in 2020 and really start doing better because I spent the whole year of 2019 just really having a great time, which is fantastic. And then 2020 came and I actually went back to heavily restricting and counting and I actually skipped out on events. So is this pre-pandemic 2020? Yes. So yes. 2020 begins and you're you're back on a plan. Yes. And it's very, very cliche. It was a resolution, of course. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I actually am not really a huge resolution person. I make yearly goals. And in, instead of doing my usual yearly goal, which I did create a goal that was not weight focused, but then I had a, a weight focused goal and it was get back to where I was. And I didn't want to go back on the very restrictive plan, not because it was restrictive, because it was very expensive. And <laughs> my husband and I were going to be building house in that year. And so I really couldn't afford to go back on it. And so I started heavily restricting yet again. And I actually would miss out on things and events would pop up at my favorite winery. And I would say, oh, I wish I could go to that, but I can't because I don't know how many calories are in these wine slushies that I love. And then the pandemic started. (laughs) And looking back at this, I just continuously kick myself for why did you skip out on events? not having any idea what the future was going to hold. And then my first three months of 2020 was really restrictive and diet focused and weight focused. And then once the pandemic started and we went home and I didn't know when life was going to go back to normal. And not only was um, my husband and I started working from home, we put our house on the market. We sold our house. We started building our house and we moved in with my parents all in 2020. And then um, later in 2020 is when our house was done. So we were able to move into our new house. But I just remember thinking, I really wish I would have went to those winery events. I wish I would have done events with my best friend. My best friend then moved away actually during the pandemic. And so there were all of these events that I could have done, but I was waiting on the wait, which I just wish I hadn't have done. However, One thing that was truly amazing about the pandemic for me was the fact that I was now staying home and working from home and I was able to find podcast. I had never really listened to podcast before. The only other podcast I'd listened to was the office ladies about the deep dive of the show, the office, which is my favorite show. (laughs) And prior to that, I had not really had any experience with podcast and It was through exploring four things with Amy and then came Outway and then came really the transformation and then came Fork the Noise and then came Fork the Noise, Hunger and Fullness. And throughout, I would really say May of 2020 to 
today. So one full year, I have made more progress in eating disorders and disordered eating and really just my mental well-being and overcoming diet culture than I had in the 19 years previously of being on a diet. Basically, throughout learning and growing, I'm now able to really see diet culture and witness it. And I was actually at a coffee shop uh, about a month ago with um, one of my friends. I hadn't seen her in a very long time. And we were at a coffee shop and I had gotten a coffee and a donut. And the donut looked good. I love cake donuts. They're my, I pretty much only want a cake donut if I get one. And so I got a donut, which first of all, just the sheer fact that I went to a coffee shop and bought a donut and wasn't guilty was a really big improvement. Yeah. And then I sat down and the first thing my friend was saying was I'm keto and I can't eat that donut, but it looks really good. And immediately I thought, what a shame. Like, what a shame that you tell yourself you can't have something for no real good reason. Then as we're talking, I was so excited to just see somebody really, because besides my parents and my husband, uh, I really hadn't seen many people. Uh, my my father's very high risk. Um, he has a, a heart condition. And so we lived a very conservative COVID life, um, really until the vaccine started to roll out. Um, we were just very concerned about his health. And so I hadn't really seen anybody in basically a year. And I was just so excited. I completely forgot about my donut, which again is like a huge point for me of normally I would be obsessing about this donut. Do I eat it? Do I not? Do I wait? What is she thinking about my donut? Is she watching me? Should I eat the donut? Is she judging the way I look based on this donut? These are all thoughts that actually used to go through my head. So about halfway through our conversation, she goes, oh, don't feel bad that I'm on keto. You can eat your donut. And I thought that is diet culture right there. The fact that you are thinking more about my donut than I am. <laughs> really, it really showed me how far I've come in, yes. in regards to everything about food and body image. And Lisa did mention that I am pregnant. I'm 30 weeks pregnant right now. And I think being pregnant is also very different because you are constantly growing and changing. And I actually thought it would be a much harder journey than it has been. And I think that it's been a lot easier because I've done all of this mental work and every day it's, it's showing up for myself and who I want to be and who I want to show my kids that, that you can be without focusing on weight or eating donuts <laughs> or just, just being able to enjoy life. So that's the story that Anne shared on our Fork the Noise VIP call about a month ago or so. And I felt like the energy in the the room, our Zoom room, really just kind of elevated by telling that story because here Anne is somebody that's been dieting since she was eight years old, had, you know, gone through the same struggles as all of us and put in 
about a year's worth of work and really put it in. I think like when you hear a year, that might sound easy. I think to me, I just want to highlight that Anne is somebody that was all in and ready to really, you know, show up, do the work, flood her mind with information that was healthy, you know, and not just healthy in the terms of food, but really mentally healthy conversation. And I just saw all the eyes in the room and tears and applauses, but also a little bit of like, how do I get there? And I think it's important to recognize that we don't get there overnight. And also maybe even highlight, if you're willing to share perhaps, and that just because you had this one moment of feeling like a regular person that has never had issues with food or never overcomplicated it, I'm sure since then you've had moments of doubt where or maybe that, like you said earlier, like the counting kind of naturally creeps back into your mind. It, would it be accurate to say that it's not a straight trajectory of healing and there are moments of self-doubt and all that stuff as well? Oh, absolutely. Really up until I want to say four months ago, I was still measuring out peanut butter to put on my English muffin for breakfast. So every day, you know, you're challenging yourself and going a little bit further. And you also, all of you listening, please look out for your wins. I think it's really easy to notice where you're still struggling, but these micro moments, these trips to the coffee shop where we forget about the donut that's sitting there, you know, and that's, it's really such a profound statement because the biggest fear of somebody that's too afraid to allow these foods back into their life is that they will have no willpower around them. They will binge eat. They will, you know, one donut will lead to two donuts because that's what history has shown them. But when you really break down, oh, donut, want the donut, not, oh, I want the donut, but I shouldn't have the donut. The donut's so bad for me. It has this many calories and this, whatever. It's just, oh, donut, want the donut. And you put the donut next to you, you're actually just going to eat the donut or not eat the donut. Or if you do eat the donut, maybe it's not all the donut, whatever it is. It's not with the same like soul sucking, energy taking mindset where diet culture can kind of bring your brain where you can't even focus on your friend because all you're thinking about is the donut. And it really didn't steal the moment for you. But with your friend, you know, it truly highlighted how your donut stole the moment for her, which it's just such a powerful story that I think we all just needed to hear. Thank you. And I definitely also want to add that until you're ready mentally to really forget about the weight, that's what it was for me. And it was a gradual journey. And I will say when the pandemic first started, I ignored the scale because I was afraid. However, that ignoring it turned into forgetting about it turned into, I don't really care about it. And Amy had talked about this probably a month or so going out way about the fact that when you go to the doctors, you don't have to, you don't have to get weight. You can turn around. And I will say that I do have to go to the doctor. Um, I'm still at monthly appointments. It's going to change very soon. Um, and I have actually watched my weight creep up and it actually has not been triggering for me which is really surprising. The first time I saw it, I thought, okay. And that, those old thoughts came back of, oh, well, that's not that bad. I'm doing fine. And then as each visit has actually gone through, it's actually more empowering to me. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know, but I don't want to know the way I used to care about knowing. I used mm -hmm. to obsess. Now it's, it's a totally different story where 
I'm thinking, okay, well, this is, you know, I need to gain weight. That is part of being pregnant. You don't just pop out a baby and, <laughs> and not gain an ounce, mm -hmm. but knowing that every pound or whatever that is gained is, you know, it could be his body. It's extra blood. It's organs. I think that's also really empowering just from a pregnancy standpoint. And somebody asked me the other day, like how much weight I gained actually, which is mm. first of all, if you know anybody <laughs> who's pregnant, don't please ask that. <laughs> don't ask that because it's just so incredibly rude. And I said, I don't know. And I don't care. And that overall is the most freeing aspect. I think of this whole journey of not slaving away to a mm -hmm. scale. We still have scales in this house. I don't look at them. I don't use them. They're really just put away. One day we might need them, but we don't now. For you, you know, if it's just a source of a distraction, something that's going to pull you away from knowing or being able to take the best care of you and baby. So I love that you're staying attached to your needs and honoring that and recognizing uh, the specific ways that you need to show up for yourself, which may be different than somebody else, but nonetheless. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey and just being here on Outway. We're so lucky to have you as a listener and a friend and excited for you to have this baby as well. So yes. hopefully we'll have you back on maybe, you know, for that postpartum journey, which I know can bring up a lot of hard stuff for a lot of women too. So thank yes. you, Anne, so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fantastic. And I hope that somebody gets something out of my story. They for sure will. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts my whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.